You're listening to Legally Bliss Conversations. This podcast reclaims and rewrites the stories female attorneys have been told about how we should practice law, grow our businesses, treat our clients, treat ourselves, and craft our identities as female attorneys. We'll hear inspiring stories from current and former female attorneys, the ones who question the stories they've been told, the ones who aren't afraid to live boldly and step into their own power. We'll learn from women who define success on their terms. Through lighthearted and curious conversation, we'll impact the challenges these inspiring female attorneys have already navigated. So join me on this journey. You'll be empowered and ready to rewrite a completely new story about what is possible for you. Well, hey there, and welcome everyone to Legally Bliss Conversations and a very warm welcome today to Robert Hanna. Robert is a special guest today because even though he's clearly not a lady, he has been an incredible cheerleader for me and the Legally Bliss community mission. He is an amazing example of a male ally, and I'm lucky to have him in my corner. And that's why he's our first male guest ever. I wanted to learn more about Robert's journey and share that with my audience because I know that there's so much that everyone can learn from Robert. So let's get started. Let me tell you just a little bit about Robert. And this is just a little bit of his badass resume. So he's based in the UK and he's the founder and managing director of Casey Partners, which is a world-leading legal talent solutions and content creation firm focused on community. He specializes in helping aspiring and qualified legal professionals with career advice and securing dream jobs. Robert is a passionate legal community builder, super networker, and content creator. He has a host of honors for his recruitment and is the most followed legal recruiter and talent solutions expert across social media. He's a LinkedIn influencer and UK Creator Accelerator program winner. He advises LinkedIn on new product rollouts and has been named as a top 100 rising star. He regularly features um, in LinkedIn News and hosts the LinkedIn Creators Audio Town Hall. He is the host of the world-renowned Legally Speaking podcast powered by Clio. He is passionate about normalizing the conversation around mental health, health and promoting more diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace. His mission is to emulate the process or his success of his grandfather, who ran one of the most prominent law firms of his generation in the 50s. And aside from all of this, Rob is a proud father and the apparent to his miniature Watson Auto. So welcome again, Robert. Um, th- there's so much to unpack here. Like you're, you have a very information dense resume. So let's find out who this human is behind all of that. Well, firstly, can I say thank you so much for having me on your show. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. As you said, I absolutely am an ally, fan, supporter, love everything that you're doing. We've got lots of mutual friends in the legal community. I know you've had some yeah. rock star guests. So it really is a privilege to be on your show. And and thank you for taking the time to read all of that out uh, to, to people, because um, you're right. There's a lot of different angles and things that, yeah. I'm, that I'm involved in that hopefully we can talk about today. But I'm super excited and super grateful. So Thanks again. Thank you so much. So one thing that I think is that really nails down a lot of what you do 
is you are um, a passionate legal community builder, super networker, and content creator. And when I saw that in your resume or the, you know, the, the media kit that you provided me, I'm like, that really encompasses a lot of what you do. So let's, let's go back a little bit. And you graduated from the University of Leeds, correct? That's correct. Yes. Okay. And so when you got out of school, what was the world like for you? Were you like excited? Like, were you like, I'm ready to take this on? Or were you in a little bit of freak out mode? Because I feel like graduates come out with like different, you know, obviously like perspectives of what lays ahead. So what, what was it like for you? Yeah, it's a really great question because um, I graduated during a turbulent time as well. And you'll know, obviously, we've been through the pandemic. We've got a cost of living crisis over here at the UK. There's been so many adversities chucked at all of us in, in, in the world. And so when I graduated in 2008, that was really around the, the recession. My, yeah. you know, it was Lehman Brothers crash. All of these things were happening. The financial markets had hit rock bottom, et cetera, et cetera. But I had a great time at Leeds. So I'm from the middle of the UK. And I wanted to, to leave home. So I'd only known that sort of area of the UK, Leicestershire, which is in the Midlands, for people who may know that. I'm testing some of maybe your US audience uh, geography here. But um, then I went up to Leeds, had a wonderful time. That opened my eyes to things. But I always knew upon graduating that I'd like to be the first person within my family to go to London and work within what's known the square mile. So there's the city of London, which is officially a square mile, which is where all the top law firms professional services firms, you name it, work. And that was always an ambition of mine. So I did a very general, I didn't really know what I was going to do within that, but I knew London was where I wanted to be. It was the Mecca, it was the home. So sure. obviously I went to Leeds, had a wonderful time. I did a sort of, you know, a business management with some, some language French um, degree. That was brilliant. Um, and then I got to graduation. Then I had kind of, you know, I was wet behind the ears. So admittedly, I wasn't as commercial or understanding about markets or the severity or the impact of the fact that jobs weren't being given. They were being taken away at that time. Redundancies were given yeah. away. You know, it was a tough, tough period. But at the yeah. time, I didn't really know. I was just going into London and I was like, OK, what should I do? And I very much fell into what then became my my career, obviously recruiting and then from recruiting, which, again, we can break down, has led me into all of these other wonderful things. But that's kind of what happened and where it started but I wanted to be the first sort of trailblazer of the family to go to London make a success of it if I could and yeah get the experience there because I knew that would then set me up for uh, for future life. So what influence did your grandfather have on those decisions? A huge influence so I promised you that I'd speak very openly on your show because I, I appreciate your authenticity and what you stand for and I don't this will probably be an exclusive so um <laughs> And I, when I when I say that, I say that my grandfather on my father's side was assassinated. And so when I say that, that's quite striking. And then when I say my parents split up when I was two and a half years old and I didn't have a father figure in my life, you know, that's quite a an interesting couple of statements, you know, to, to experience. And so yeah. My mom was a single mom raising three children. She did a very good job. You know, it's tough. You know, I've got a, you mentioned I've got a baby daughter that's sort of 12, 13 months old now. And we've been through a whole host of different illnesses. Um, but, you know, there was a real clear absence of, 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 of a father figure, shall we say. Mm -hmm. And my grandfather, absolutely, who you know I speak very openly of, was was absolutely that that figure. He he played more than just a typical grandfather figure because our lives could have gone in a very different direction he was a big advocate for education he was a big advocate for maybe doing the things that we needed to do to ensure that we would have set up for life and so he's always been 
a huge inspiration for me because again his father died when he was just eight years old he grew up in a very working class poor family he had to get on with things he was sent away to school and he started his own law firm from from nothing really and was top of his classes in his law school super academic i mean i'm not an academic right i'm not as smart as you susie and the lawyers listening here. but i'm you know i, I <laughs> but i understand i understand the importance of, of relationships and people and you know i have a commercial mind so he was all I always wanted to try and emulate that success of the fact that he had such adversities at a young age, but was able to build yeah. a business and a legacy. And one of the stories, again, that I talk about, which sort of motivates me and in the inspiration is actually when he retired, because remember, in the 1950s, we're in a we're in a hyper connected tech world and we're seeing the influence of AI now basically do people's job for you, whether you know whether that's a different topic anyway. He was in an offline world. And so, you know, there was paper, there was pens, there was a completely different way of building a law firm, building a reputation and keeping the reputation. So he always said to me, Rob, it's very easy to be successful. It's far harder to stay successful. Mm -hmm. And it's very true, right? We can all get that one minute of fame or that two years of fame. And then actually a business that sustainably grows and is, 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 is good is quite difficult. And he retired and every year we'd go to his home for Christmas. And I would see more and more Christmas cards get delivered to his house. And I said, okay. I said, I said, Grandpa, um, you know, you don't have that many friends. He's like, no, I know I don't have that many friends. I said, who are these cards from? These and he would, he would say, he would say, who do you think they're from? I said, I don't know. And he said, well, these are actually all from clients and the next generation of children of my old clients. And this was maybe 5, 10, 15, 20 years after retiring that clients, former generations of clients and their families, the profound impact of not just being the lawyer, but actually ensuring that the work that he did really benefited those families, really benefited the next generations, looked after and protected businesses because he was a commercial and corporate lawyer. So he did a lot of that. Next question. That, that, yeah. yeah. So that and because in the time where I'm from, Leicester was the second richest city outside of London in the 1950s because there's a lot of commercial and hosiery trade. So he built a very successful firm and launched that. And that stuck with me because I thought if I could emulate that success and that legacy in a virtual world, online, hyper-connected world, leveraging social to amplify the voice, but to be known as, hey, that Rob dude did something slightly different, but he tried to bring people around in a community, make them feel good and left a lasting impact and help people with their legal careers and inspired them to maybe go for that job or to make that change or to speak up for that. That's kind of what gets me out of bed and makes me tick every day and gives me accountability to know that I can't let the family name because the KC, the seaside is car, my grandfather's side. I can't let that go to waste. So that's what kind of keeps me accountable over everything. When I'm having bad days, the days that suck, you know what it's like, plus the good days. It's like, okay, well, this is because I'm not going to let that legacy and that reputation slip. So that's what motivates me and gets me going. So I know it's a long-winded answer, but I hope that gives you a very raw, honest, open me. And I believe that's an exclusive on your show. Wow. that That's quite a story. And it sounds like you had an incredible grandfather and someone mm. that you wanted to emulate. Um, and someone who really drove home to you the importance of building kind of a community, even though it was in a different time era, right? Kind of like you said, yes. it totally, I mean, granted, our technology right now is is obviously evolving very, very quickly, but the internet in its current form in terms of networking online is still, I would say in its infancy. I mean, we really yeah. started doing this. What in like, I mean, there was Facebook. Well, I guess MySpace was kind of like maybe the first 
<laughs> yeah, I remember MySpace. Remember yes. MySpace? Yeah, that was in like 2005. And I remember I was, I, I think that at one point MySpace was only, or maybe it was Facebook. You could only get Facebook. Yeah, that's right. If you had a, a, a university uh, email address. And then it eventually evolved to, you know, opening it to everyone. But that's that's yes. how Facebook kind of started. Whereas MySpace was more open, but it was kind of that first, at least what I remember, like of that, you know, social networking online. So yeah. you something that was important to your grandfather and you applied it to, you know, a completely new generation of people. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, the only constant in life is change, right? And we oh, go yeah. through evolutions. And so, you know, and what, you know, you and I are doing, you know, not everybody is on the legal bus for this. You know, there are certain people in the legal industry that still perhaps don't sort of, you know, understand the importance of, you know, what we're trying to do in the communities that we're building. But I so strongly believe it is the right thing to do. And because it comes from a, a why, you know, we were talking before off air about, yeah, yeah. you know, what is the why? Like, why do you do what you do? And, you know, as someone who's in talent and help people with their careers, I ask a lot of people, you know, why do you do what you do? Or do you really love what you do? Yeah. And they'll either draw a blank or they'll be like, hey, family was in the law. So I went to be the lawyer or, hey, it was a well-respected job. So, but I was like, does it fill your cup? If it does, great. Or are you doing that to, you know, because society says you should be doing that, you know, in your opinion. And so, you know, I think I really want to encourage people if they're listening to this, just take a step back. Like what actually really motivates you and what is your why and if you can answer that and your job stacks up again it great if not make 2033 the year that you actually make action and, and do something about it yeah and figure out what your why is because at the yeah. end of the day that is going to be your your driver that's what's going to motivate you and, and help you get through those hard nights and wake up the next morning, even though, even if you've had two hours of sleep with a screaming, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I feel you, health, right? Right. So it's what keeps you going no matter what. Now, some people will talk about the importance of having like the why to your why, right. That it goes even deeper than just your why. So yes. that's something that I think that is kind of interesting to explore as well. Like why, why is this your why? Um, so have you, is your grandfather alive today? So no, he passed last year um, okay. and he was a big royalist. And just because there's so much going on right now. So he passed the year of the Queen's passing over here as well. So that okay. was kind of a, a you know a nice thing in a, in a way because he was a very big royalist. But yeah, he he, he passed last year, um, but he had, a, he had a wonderful life, you know. And I think that's the other thing, you know, I, he didn't just succeed in business. He succeeded in family. He was married, you know, for its for my grandma for 50, 60 years, you know, I had golden wedding anniversary, things that, you know, I just, I aspire to have all of that, if you know what I mean. So it was, uh, yeah, I know we're, we're focusing quite a bit on that, but I think it's really important to understand like who really are your people that inspired you, motivated you, and you actually take action from absolutely one of those figures. Yeah. I think it's important to kind of look at those people in our lives and give them kind of that moment of gratitude, even if they're mm. not, even if they aren't with us, um, and I'm sure that you made him very proud. Did you discuss with him very much your your current business and what that looked like? And how is was he receptive to it, or did he have challenges sort of processing? Um, I think so. He <laughs> it's a very good question. 
he was like, so you're just another employment agency, are you, Robert? <laughs> so, you know, he, he needed to understand yeah. more yeah. about it. He was a, he was a very traditional yeah. lawyer and, you know, being a lawyer is a very prestigious job, but even back, you know, even more so perhaps back then when, you know, it was very hard to, particularly over here in the UK, um, to get qualified and, and everything else. So he, he was impressed that I set up my own business. I think he yeah. was very touched that I told him the reason why from yeah. a family and legacy perspective and very touched that it was connected to legal. But I jest with that because he also said to me, don't be a lawyer, laddie. When you were on, he said he put me off being a lawyer. I think he he really hoped to be an accountant, but actually, because he was a big advocate for obviously letters after your name, extra qualifications on top of the degree. Yeah, um, yeah. But I would be horrible as an accountant. <laughs> so uh, you can't put a sort of sales marketing relationships person into an accounting role. Numbers are not numbers are not my strength. I have a calculator and I have a good accountant. That's about where my numbers stop. 100%. The other side of me is the the other side so yeah he was he, he was touched and I remember when I gave him my first business card and it had his sort of surname behind yeah. it um and he was like wow he put it in his his wallet and was like okay brilliant that, that that's lovely like I wish you all the best but I never got into the weeds because also and this may sound contrary he he had wisdom but he also had outdated knowledge so what I meant by that his business of strategy you know, he was like, he would say to me, law firms that advertise on the radio now, they're finished nowadays, you know, because yeah. in his day, they didn't advertise. They didn't yeah, need, yeah. it was reputation, word of mouth. Now, if I was to say, hey, Gramps, I've got this social media strategy and I'm doing this outbound and I'm doing this thing. So he'd be like, right, so is your business going bust? Like what's going on? <laughs> you know, so it's it's just different times. So I'd lean on him for sort of leadership and wisdom, but not necessarily getting into the weeds because I'd actually think he would have a, not in a bad way, but just not relevant strategy. Right. I think that's when I speak to people about mentors. It's like, it's great to have super successful people that maybe have made their millions, but what would they do to make their millions if that's important to you in 2023? Like what investments do they have or what knowledge do they have in the current market trends? You know, again, lawyers, someone who's become a top partner or a super successful lawyer who's now retiring, how much of their finger on the pulse do they have for someone maybe starting in the industry right now? and training and in the environment, the climate. Maybe they have all the knowledge, maybe they don't. Maybe you need a variety of mentors. So yeah, I have varieties of mentors for different things. I went for him for wisdom, support and leadership, but not necessarily the hard facts of the day-to-day and the strategy. Yeah, yeah, I think that there are mentors that serve different purposes, right, yeah. in, in our lives. So yeah. when did you start KC Partners? So this is my other biggest, well, I don't think I've said regret yet, but one of my biggest regrets is my career was not starting my business sooner. And I let my wage be my cage. And what I mean by that, I, I was, you know, I fell into recruitment and it wasn't easy to start with. I started in a recession. It was tough, but yeah. you know, people were getting laid off. But after about a year and a half or so, it started to click. So, you know, I left a FTSE 250 organization here as headhunted to go and join a boutique. I helped scale that business up to only about 40 people, 30 people. But, you know, I was the first organically grown director. I was in my early 20s. You know, I was I was earning significantly well and it kind of clicked for me. And I thought, wow, this is great. But actually, I probably should have left that opportunity. And again, because I didn't have the right network or people around me at the time, I probably should have set up my business three or four years earlier because mm -hmm. I was in a lane of sort of, OK, I was earning well. I had this director title. It came at quite a young age. I was sort of on a high but really, I always knew in the back of my mind I wanted to set up my business, but I got to a comfortable point. So my yeah. point for anyone who's listening to this is like, maybe you want to try and think, turn that side hustle into a full-time hustle. Maybe you want to start a side hustle. Maybe you want to do something. 
do it now there's no there's no like tomorrow like do it now because otherwise you'll you'll you'll, you'll regret it so um i started in 2016 would love to have done it sooner and since then it's been an absolute whirlwind we've had like the most amazing times you've had the most horrendous times and that's what it's all about <laughs> you have to have that why to get you yeah. through the journey but i'm absolutely sat here 2023 would i change any of it no because i'm also very grateful for the experiences we have because we never lose we always learn and so i've learned a lot along the process yeah, we learn from our failures, right? And so yeah. I argue that there's really not even, like failures don't even exist. As long as we're taking them and learning from them, um, does the word even exist? It doesn't. And I created my own acronym for lose, which is life offering some experience, right? If you actually break that down when you actually lose, it's like, okay, well, maybe I'm getting some feedback here. I don't want to hear it, but it, it's probably the truth. And that's okay. the result. So yeah, it's life, I like that. Life, life offering some experience <laughs> some experience okay i'm writing that down live offering some experience that's that's good so that's the reality of lose yeah. right um and so you know i think it's very easy to sit here and talk about the wins but it's very hard to to not take lessons from our learnings because if i hadn't had so many losses i probably wouldn't be where i am today so i am grateful for them. as hard as they are at the time let's not beat around yeah. it you get some some dark moments and you think about things you're like am i good enough should i be doing this can i do this will i be able to do this etc cetera, etc cetera. so yeah but i i, I really like that sort of life offering some experience and i i remind myself of that i like that acronym acronyms acronyms yeah. are good so with your uh, Casey, what, what's been your biggest obstacle? Um, you know, just like you're saying, like we learn the most from, from the obstacles. And yeah. I think that that's one of the best teachers for other people as well. What is, what is like one of your biggest obstacles that, that you've um, had to go through and what'd you learn from it? Yeah, really good question. So I would say the biggest obstacle is when you start, right? So there's no secret that um, I wasn't starting necessarily at the time a unique business. I was just setting up another legal recruiting firm at the time. And the firm has obviously emerged and we have evolved. Um, so I thought, wow, why are people going to want to listen to little old me who's just set up by themselves when there's established, you know, imagine you've got the cravat, you've got the well-established law firms yeah, yeah. and the mid-tier firms and the smaller firms that have been around for years and years and years. They know the law inside out. Why are they going to listen to little old me? You know, what can I bring to the world? Because bear in mind, I'd also hadn't recruited in legal before. So I have, you know, I've been through, I mentioned I started my career in a recession. I've also pivoted into three different markets. I set up a legal recruiting business without any legal knowledge or contact other than having a family in the law. Um, high risk from directorship earnings to then not, earning nothing, putting money into a market I had nothing. Um, but, you know, risk equals a reward, right? You know, if you don't right. risk anything, you risk everything. And I knew I wanted to do this passionate project. So the hardest part was actually, how on earth am I going to get people to listen to me? Why are clients going? Because they can be like, okay, well, tell us about your track record. You know, tell us like who you mindset. know. It was all your yeah. mindset was like your biggest obstacle. Yeah. And so, but that maybe leads on to, if you want to get onto this now or pull me back, if not, the strategy, which I think was genius, which kind of got me to where we are today Tell around. <laughs> so that's why, you know, you 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 understand the power of podcasting. But at the time when we launched yeah. our podcast, we were the first uh, legal recruitment firm in the world to launch a podcast. But we didn't name it. We didn't name it the KC Partners podcast because no one's going to listen to a legal recruitment firm that no one's heard of podcast. 
But if we branded it in a way, the Legally Speaking podcast, and used that as our business development, outreach, thought leadership, content pillar, and actually just gave, gave, gave. You know, you'll probably be familiar with Gary Vee. I've done LinkedIn Lives with Gary Vee. He talks about jab, jab, hook, right? In terms of content, content, then hook your clients. And so um, I saw pretty early on in the UK before it became too saturated that podcasts we're onto something because it's got long form content. People can consume it on the move and it would allow me to build authority mm. and to leverage social. Cause I saw my competitors yeah. who had larger databases of law firms and lawyers on them, but they weren't using social. And I was thinking I could do one post and I can exponential views reach, you know, and I could be current, you know, I was talking about before strategy of the old versus strategy of the new. And this is back in 2016. Now it's all about short form video and entertainment. I've launched a new company about that. We can talk about that. But at the time, that's where the days, you know, at this point, that's like way back in the olden days, because everything moves so fast, right? You have to always be so ready to iterate. Let's take a quick pause for a message from my sponsor, Prominent Practice. Are you thinking about a career transition from big law or partnership to a solo practice, selling your practice, or maybe you're launching a project unrelated to law? Whatever the reason for your transition, you'll need support along the way. Enter Prominent Practice, an executive consulting and marketing firm specializing in branding, positioning, and reputation management for transitioning attorneys. Founded by a female entrepreneur who spent a decade building smart digital platforms for thought leaders before pivoting to focus on high-end service providers who were preparing for successions, mergers, and acquisition events in their businesses. If you're thinking about making a big business move, don't risk losing the ability to leverage the reputation you've spent your career building. Let Prominent Practice be your guide. Visit prominentpractice.com slash bliss for an exclusive introduction. And you have to be able to pivot. And so that's what you know happened. So rather than me ringing up a law firm and saying, hey, I would love to help you with your talent. You know, we could help you with uh, bringing on people. We can help you with, you know, retention strategies. I'd be like, hey, partner, I've got this podcast. I can put you in four and a half thousand cities around the world, your voice. I'm going to create all of this marketing for you. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. I'm going to create an article of it. I'm going to create a newsletter of it. I'm going to shine a light on you. I'm going to make you sound the most amazing partner in the world. And I'm going to do that all for free. Do you want to have a coffee and talk about that? Sure. Okay. And you build up a relationship on value add rather than, hey, I want your business. They get to know you. They get to like you. They feel warm. They feel excited. Oh, and hey, by the way, I'm also an entrepreneur and I've got this other business. We'd love to help you out. Oh, yeah. But and you find out when you interview them what their hiring plans are, what their strategy is, what they're doing. And you suddenly say, hey, yeah, you, you're you looking to try and build out that corporate M&A practice of 20 lawyers and you've got big plans. And I know you're just looking at the tech sector. It's really interesting because we've actually got this body of people. And so it was a great business development strategy to get in the front and the door, to separate the part rather than just people were just cold calling people. I don't believe that's the way to do things nowadays. You, yeah. you no one wants a cold call. You can be the best cold caller in the world and people still do it and people will disagree with me. It's not fit for purpose in 2023. So at the time of 2016, we got in, got established, used the podcast as a vehicle, and that helped complement the recruiting side. And it also led to all these other content pillars and community work that now I do today. Okay, so you are on season six, right? Illegally. That's correct. Yes. Wow. Yes. So- we have a very special guest coming out next week, actually, you but I can't say who. Such a special guest coming out very soon. How exciting. I mean, how exciting. Uh, we're not going to tell anyone because it's- We're not. Secret. We're not going to tell anyone. It's top secret. But <laughs> people people on your show might know them. <laughs> <laughs> they, might, they might have an idea who it, who it is, right? Yeah, yeah. 
Exactly. <laughs> so, okay. So I like to talk about how, okay. So you built up this awesome podcast, which is incredible. And it's crazy to think that, I mean, it's, it's 2016 just seems like yesterday, yesterday to me. And it probably does to you as well. Like just with the pandemic and just yeah, so much going on, but you've also managed to build a community and yeah. you're building all of this content around, I guess the podcast as well. So tell, let's talk a little bit about the podcast and all, and the additional opportunities that that's provided for you as like ancillary benefits than, you know, what you're talking about just a minute ago. Yeah. So the podcast was really important for me because I understood the importance of a personal brand. Now, some people might be like, oh my God, he's gone down personal brand route again. We're so tired and sick and tired. But that is the reason that I have been able to achieve a lot of what I've been able to achieve. You very kindly mentioned that, you know, I've, I've been invited to LinkedIn's head offices. I've been advising LinkedIn on, you know, their platforms. That's the number one largest networking platform in the world. But they're the you advise million. LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah. So, when you know, I read that, I was like, <laughs> you know, I was, I've, I've worked on their audio product, which has now come out, you know, as part of their beta tester. I was on their creator alumni pro, um, program, which just finished. And you'll know like the likes of Alex Sue and Anna, I think he's been on your show, who have been on, we're on in the US and it's incredible. And then to then be, you know, chairman for Thomson Reuters, legal leaders, you know, 150 of the top world GCs, you know, me sort of leading the, the event to all of these other amazing things that have happened to being sponsored by the world's first legal tech unicorn and centaur, Clio, you know, who would have thought years and years ago when you're just one man and a mic that that would have happened. But consistency and actually using content to build thought leadership, to build a personal brand has actually made it far easier for me to do outreach if I'm looking to try and do business with people or indeed to get extra opportunities or to lead to new business ventures. So the additional businesses that I'm involved in and I invest in have very much come off the back of being able to build a personal brand. Mm. And having that podcast, which it all, yeah. kind of, I guess, yeah. together. It did. But also making sure that the podcast had a point, right? You have a very serious, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a, you know, this is the first time you've had a, a dude on the show, right? Yeah. You know, you're, 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 you know, you're, you know, who you want to talk to yeah. and you know, the audience, you know, the message and what you're trying to do. Similar for us, you know, it's, it's careers led. We're, we're trying to give thought leadership for people who want to know about the law and the career and what some of, you know, we, we, we take that wisdom from those people and we share it. And I don't try to be too generic. So for anyone who's trying to, to get out there or get noticed, don't try and do everything. Stay in a lane. What is the niche? You know, inch wide, mile deep. Because I remember this famous Bruce Lee quote that you probably heard a thousand times, but it's, um, I fear not the man who practiced 10,000 kicks. I fear the man who's practiced one kick 10,000 times. Yeah. And I think if you really understand of like focusing in that and what you want to be known for, your personal brand becomes exceptionally strong within that niche that the more and more opportunities come your way. So I've been working with the law society, you know, the official body over here, over here in the, in the UK and all of these have been asked to review like books that are out on the law society. Like this would have That's never awesome. happened. Yeah. That would have been yeah. crazy. You know, the guy, the, the guy who never knew anything about legal is now on the law society website as a review for the next cybersecurity toolkit and why you need to have it. So yeah, yeah. have self-belief, have self-confidence. And by the way, you're going to have bunch of naysayers like so many naysayers learn to love your naysayers learn to love them because there's no other way around it and just go and get busy and stay in your lane and you, you will find more and more opportunities come to you and that's honestly i'm so grateful for having the tools like social media and all these things to be able to do it um that's brought all these opportunities 
And the podcast is definitely without that, I wouldn't be where I am today. And I probably wouldn't have the business that we have today or, or even the revenues. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, what's the return on investment? I say, don't think about the return on investment. Think about the cost of inaction. What's the COI versus the ROI? Mm. Because the cost of not actually taking action on something now is very, very different to taking um, return on investment for something else. So, yeah, I just want to mention that cost of inaction is very, very important. So like, not return on investment. Is that a concept, a cause of an action? I've heard that before and I feel like I need to integrate that more into some of my thinking. Is that, yeah. that sort of a concept that you look back and that's the reason you think I should have left the company that I was with? Yeah, there's a, that's a that's a great example of a cost of an action. But also a cost of an action now, for me, if, I'm, if I'm looking here 2022, I believe there's a massive cost of an action in terms not looking at short form video. You know, for example, in my view, and that's why I've launched Legally Speaking Club as a new venture, because I don't believe articles and written content because chat gpt and all of these other platforms coming out written content is going to be diminished yeah. because it's going to be saturated and as of today yes you can you, you need to get attention of people the attention span now is very very short and the digital world we're in people want to be able to trust you know you be entertained by you be educated by you in seconds and that's why i believe firms that kind of understand that's the trend and where we're going currently I think there's a massive cost of an action to not doing that in my own personal opinion. Whereas firms may at the moment be like, well, what's going to be return on investment in that? Well, don't look at like that. Imagine in five, you know, five, six months of, of adopting this strategy, amount of talent that wants to come and work for you, the amount of clients that have been orbiting you that now come to you, or the amount of referrals you get from existing clients that are liking what you're doing through your social print. Yeah, I just think that's um, a great example of cost of an action. So... What is like one of the biggest, okay, I guess I, I should go back just a little bit. When you work with your clients, do you help them create their own podcast as well? Yes, we have done that for some, we've done that for um, some firms. We've done that for some boutique firms and we've done it for a range actually. So we've done that for an insurance law firm boutique. So they they have a very, and they only work on policy solder side. So that's a very specialist boutique firm. And so we said, that's great because you have this real niche. So we can really niche your podcast down. We can get to the right audience and we can talk about topic of influences and strategy and how you can position it and how you can get thought leadership, the types of people you want to do, all of that good stuff. So yes, uh, we do do that. And that's been a really exciting part because I love that. I love podcasting like you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's definitely a part of what we what we do. And I, I enjoy that. But we have helped firms and individual lawyers as well who want to set up their own shows, maybe embarrassers over here in the UK who have their own sets of chat, you know, who are in chambers who are wanting to get their words out there. So yeah, we've done some, some pretty cool stuff like that. You mentioned having naysayers. So I didn't know if it was around people that, you know, you had maybe talked to about having their own podcast, if it was, if it was around that or what exactly it was with respect to having naysayers. Yeah. Or is that just kind of? No, it's true. People said, people laughed when I said I had a podcast initially. You know, so you think to back then, to now we just, I've, I I now say I've interviewed the founder of one of the, the second world's most profitable law firms, John Quinn of Quinn Emanuel. I've interviewed yeah. Jack Newton, the CEO of the legal yeah. tech unicorn and Centaur, and He's you know, the most, admire, the, most, the most admired CEO in, in Canada. And I've interviewed Carol Baskin from Netflix, one of the most grossing documentaries on Netflix of all time. And so you think just with those three individuals and the whole show and where it's progressed, it's like, if I'd have listened to the naysayers, that would have never have happened. It would have never, you know, yeah. Never ever would have happened. But moreover, 
remember the amazing people you meet along the way because when you connect like we have a natural connection like i really love what you do i love your content i love what you stand for i love your show i love your community there's a real connection right Whereas if I hadn't, I probably, we would have never crossed paths before if we didn't sort of, you know, in reality, we probably wouldn't. I'm in the UK, you're in the US, you're doing your thing, I'm doing my day-to-day thing, but it brings you to meet other like and right-minded people. So please, 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 if you have people that are saying, hey, not sure you should do that, make your own judgment on whether you think that's the right advice or not. Because honestly, if I hadn't, if I'd have listened to people say, don't bother doing a podcast, it's a waste of time, it's a waste of energy, waste of effort. I would say no, because ultimately I knew that you have to do something different and you have to do something disruptive. I know it's, I hate using the word disrupt, but it's true. And that's why now I'm banging on about short form video because it's, it's there, but it's not law firms there yet. And they're not disrupting and not understanding it. And the YouTube shorts and TikTok and where, where you can actually really commercialize and drive where the world's going and web three and all of this interesting stuff. And that's why I'm all in those circles. So yeah, I'm waffling, but hopefully that gives you an idea. No, it does. So let's talk a minute about chat GPT. Because <laughs> uh, you, 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 you kind of dropped that a minute ago. Yeah. And I think it's important to talk about, especially in the context of, of um, the legal world and, you know, even social media and content creation. I also, like, I kind of fear a, like a deluge of AI generated content that has mm-hmm. very little uh, what would I say, like personality to it? What are, yeah. what are, what are you seeing kind of in your circles around chat GPT in terms of hesitancy to uh, pick it up or, you know, any particular concerns? I think it's, I, I think people have concerns about a, well, only, yeah, <laughs> you'll know too well, you know, I'm speaking to the expert when it comes to content and, you know, <laughs> read or understand the t's and c's of whether that is your content or not and if you're going to be putting that on branded content or you're going to you know do your homework and i'm doing that so to make sure that you're comfortable with what there is but i think the major the major reservation is you need to ensure why you're doing it there's no point now using something like that banging a lot of things out creating a lot of noises there's no real strategy behind it i think the strategic people who understand what the audience is they're trying to do or the clients that they're trying to appeal to you know a, a platform like chat gpt which i hope they rebrand because it's a rubbish name and it's really hard to say so they, i asked <laughs> i actually i put into i put into chat gpt if you were to rebrand yourself what would it be and they said like robo uh genius or something or <laughs> viral genius i was like something needs to roll off on the tongue if you're taking on google which is very easy to say yeah yeah you have yeah. to do something with the name although yeah. i know it's, a, it's, a, it's i a struggled acronym. saying it just there yeah. So. Yeah, everyone's just going to say it wrong. It's like BP, whatever. whatever. Um, so I think these tools, you know, it's like anything, right? You can give me the world's best um, DuPont pen or Mont Blanc pen. It's not going to make me the best writer in the world. So it's a tool, but it's not necessarily going to make me the best at it. Same with ChatGPT. It's like, it's not going to make you the best content creator just putting in hey write an article about this or hey do this you know it's like okay you need to actually make these machines learn because it's machine learning right so you've got to actually understand what you're putting into it how you can improve it so it can complement you but complement you to the why you're doing it in the first place you know it's all well and good saying hey this is going to get me loads of followers this is going to increase my search engine optimization for my website okay great but is it going to get you the right sort of clients or is it going to you know why are you doing what you're doing so i think why are you using it yeah yeah we're going to see a lot of mass just saturated content 
um because it you know people people aren't going to do that they're just going to go on the trend and i think it's going to prove even more that quality content is going to be the ones that shine above the rest i think there'll be a lot of sort of mediocre out there content which is fine but i think if you really want to stand out it's taking the time to really understand these platforms understand how to really learn them so they learn you and i think then you'll get better results but i think there's a real nervousness of just mass saturation right now and you don't want to fall into that trap yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it evolves over the next few years, right? Because this, I mean, we're still in the early stages of it. Yeah. And, you know, so many people are utilizing it to some extent and they're talking about it. I I did a, um, I'm a trademark lawyer and I did a search the other day, or I put a input in and said something like, do a likelihood of confusion analysis between a couple of different marks. And I was just playing around and it gave a decent likelihood of confusion analysis. And so I was thinking, well, if this was real, I could just sort of cut and paste this and like really flush it out. So what it did, yeah. was it gave me the template or the backbone of it. But at the end of the day, I still would need to put my legal, like my voice to it. Right. Yeah. Like it's, and yeah. I think that people, I wonder if people will start to be able to kind of differentiate or see what's being AI created versus um, mm. something that has more of a tone. Although I also ex asked it to explain string theory, theory to me as if I were a five-year-old and yeah. it picked that up as well. And it was like, it said like, okay, exclamation point. Like you could just tell the tone was like a kindergarten teacher, right? And I was like, that is a little crazy. I still don't that, understand string theory, but still, I was like, that's that's such an interesting thing. Yeah. Kind of learning tone. Yeah, because tone is so important because my yeah. um, uh, friend is a history teacher. And mm -hmm. I said, what do you teach? And they're like, uh, Henry VIII, for example. And I said, you know, what sort of a typical homework or assignment you would set for your kids? And I was like, right, let's put that into ChatGPT yeah, yeah. and say, can you write me X in 500 words, sounding like a 13-year-old student? Yeah. Um, and she was like, wow, okay, that is really pretty bang on to what we would <laughs> teach. And I was like, okay, well... <laughs> The education system's gonna have to do something then to to keep up because that's that's another you know yeah. another thing you know it's like do you fight against the tech or do you embrace it and think about right how can we encompass this to you know because like you say what got us here isn't going to get us there we're moving into this hyper connected tech world and um, these resources if used correctly are, are great enhancers um, but yeah I just thought it was a really interesting example because they they were very shocked to know that these sort of things are out there now I was like yeah this is this is happening. This is, this is really happening. Yeah. And mm. I think that you make a great point, Robert, that like, you know, are you going to fight this or embrace it? I'm of mm. the opinion that you, you embrace it and make it work for yeah. you. It's like what you were saying as a tool, right? Just as it like a pen, um, mm. because it's, there's not a lot that we're going to be able to do in terms of fighting it. So you might as well, <laughs> you well, might as well learn how to use it. I just look at things, try to, I use simplistic things, because remember, I'm not as smart as the lawyers listening to this, but let's just, let's, just, let's just take travel, right? Yeah. We had horseback, then we had boats to get around the world, then we had sort of, you know, planes and cars and yeah, whatever, like things get quicker, better, more efficient over time, and a society we eventually embrace and, and, and use these things, and I think, again, this is these are just new tools that are going to be the familiar, you know, the traditional old hammer is now going to be something else that you know we just use and it's just modern society but i'm really staying curious to this even more so 
because I have a young daughter and I want to be able yeah. to converse. I want to be able to, you know, I always spoke to, you know, my parents or sets of parents above me or, you know, grandparents. Remember I said before, not fit for purpose now. Like, I want to try and be a fit for purpose dad when, you know, daughter's coming home from work being like, hey, this is what I need to do. And like, we're using this and I want to be able to engage and not be naive and be like, oh my God, I don't know what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's I think another that's, reason. That's a gr- that's actually great. I, um, I love that because I think about how, Every now and then I will say like a slang, like a slang term. And my, you know, like 15 year old nephew will just look at me like, you're, <laughs> you're such a loser, right? So I'm th- you know, and then every now and then I will ask him like, okay, so what are the cool words now that kids use? Like, I need to know yeah. what they are. So, you know, analogously, like you, you want to stay on top of tech, if anything, so that, I mean, not for your own business, not only for your own business, but to, you know, to be able to help the younger generation right in in the ways that you can with the wisdom that you have yeah i completely agree and also from a you know safety is going to be even more important you know online safety you know psychological safety embarrassment you know who knows how far all of this stuff can go right and you know that's why there's this big push to decentralization over centralization with a lot of being you know these these bodies owning our data retargeting us you know basically you know I can't use the word manipulating. That's probably too strong, but you know, they're using our data. Is it always in the best intentions? I don't know. And I'm not going to put something on the record now, but I think decentralization will eventually be the norm because I think we can protect after our data. And hopefully that's a good thing. And that's why I'm all for web three. Yes. It has a number of legal constraints. Yes. There are a lot of things that need to be debated, but I do see the future very much in a decentralized rather than centralized form. So what is next for Robert? What does 2023 look like for you? So 2023 for me is getting this new business off the ground. So obviously I've got KC Partners. We're doing all of our talent solutions stuff for law firms. That's great. The Legally Seeking podcast. We're going to go into season seven eventually. We're doing loads of great stuff. We've got loads of cool people coming on the show. Um, so yeah. A couple of weeks. Yeah, like mind-blowing. This Yeah, we can't say though. I think people might guess, but I don't want them to guess. So I can't say um, in a couple of weeks. So we, we, I'm, I'm growing that. I have a Web3 consultancy. So I'm growing that called Web3 Insanity. Um, I have a um, SaaS business, which is in the recruiting space. So we're trying to, we've just come from a couple of rounds of investments. So I want to see that grow. And then Legally Speaking Club, which is my new short form video edutainment business, where we just came up with our slogan, which is out with time recording units of six in with recording short form video clips. And I think that just sounds really good on the tongue. So it. yeah, so we're basically saying, you know, the traditional, you know, out with that, in with the news. So I'm, we're growing that business. I'm partnering with a chap called Henry Nelson Case. He's a top content creator lawyer himself. Um, he's been on billboards in New York. He's the at cor- that corporate lawyer on TikTok, hundreds of thousands, millions of views. And so we're partnering up to say to law firms, hey, um, we think you could do your marketing strategy a bit, bit, bit smarter, a bit neater, and you can get social and take this seriously now. And, you know, YouTube is the second largest search engine in the world. YouTube shorts is a thing. Um, you know, the next generation aren't going to Google, they're going to TikTok for information. You know, edutainment is the fastest growing sector. The creative economy is huge. You know, people yeah. are going to be wanting stuff in the metaverse. You need to, so this is where I'm going with those businesses and getting them off the ground. And I'm super excited. And we're coming for the US market as well. So if any lawyers out there or law firm owners, as a cheeky call to action are thinking, hey, this guy might be onto something, then I'd love to hear from you. Okay, so where can people find you? Yes, great. LinkedIn, I always be like centralized. <laughs> Go to LinkedIn, LinkedIn. <laughs> follow me and send me a message and then I will reply. It's the easiest way because I think sometimes with websites and everything else, LinkedIn, Robert Hanna, send me a message, done. 
So, yeah, and Hannah is H A N N A, no yes. extra H on the end. So, but that yeah, like you, I think it's great to kind of just send everyone to like one centralized place and they can uh, link up with you on LinkedIn and take it from there. So, yeah, Robert, no, this was so awesome. I want to thank you so much for hanging out with me today and sharing just a little bit of your story. I know that there's even so much more that we could have dug into. And you dropped a lot of really awesome wisdom bombs. So I just want to say thank you so much for, for hanging out with me and, and sharing some of that with my audience. Well, thank you. I've had an absolute blast. Like, I love what you're doing. So, yeah, I really look forward to continuing to support the show, support you and all you've got planned for this year and beyond. So, um, yeah, you've got a big support of this side of the pond. But thanks so much once again. Really appreciate it. Thank you, my friend. You have a great day. Bye. Bye, Robert. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today on Legally Bliss Conversations. If you love this episode and you want to hang out with other inspiring and light gold female attorneys, be sure to join the Legally Bliss community at legallybliss.com. And be sure to follow me on Instagram at Susie Hickson. See you next time.